Resurrection Center. We are located on 1060 Worcester Street, Indian Orchard, in the beautiful city of Springfield, Massachusetts, in the corner here of the section of Indian Orchard once again. Thank you for uh, viewing us live, and we pray that we are a blessing to your life as we are going to be sharing the Word of God. My name is Pastor Jose Martinez once again. Today, we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 41, verse 14 to 33. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also, I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads with wind, seven heads withered thin and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them and the thin heads devoured the seven good heads so i told this to the magicians but there was no one who could explain it to me then joseph said to pharaoh the dreams of pharaoh are one god has shown pharaoh what he is about to do the seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one, and the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man, and set him over the land of Egypt. Amen. God is good. Amen. When I was 15 years old, my mother had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with me. She was fed up with my antics. She was just completely done with me. I rebel due to the treatment that I endure in my house. And I had ran away 
And then the second time, I was attempting to run away before my mother decided to have a heart-to-heart with me. And one of the things that my mom said to me that throughout the years, as I continue to live, it it plays out from time to time. There are things that someone's going to say to you that eventually one day it's going to make sense or you're going to see it play out whether you want to admit that or not. Amen. So I remember her telling me specifically these words. Do whatever you please. Do whatever you please. I was 15. I was ignorant. I was immature. So I decided to embrace the world with a mind assuming and believing that the world was going to embrace me the way that I imagined. Little did I know that the dreams that I had in my mind quickly unfold into nightmares because I made some bad decisions. The reason why I bring up this story so early to you this morning is because today I want to have a heart to heart with you as a pastor. You see, some of you might look at me and might say, man, pastor is a doom and gloom pastor. But if you really think about it, pastor really cares about you because if pastor didn't care about you, he wouldn't be preparing you for what's coming. Amen. So there's going to come a time where God's going to tell you, like my mom told me, you want it your way, have it your way. But don't blame me for the results. Don't blame me for the outcome. Later on in life, I decided to get a job. And I remember that when I received my first paycheck, I was real excited. Really excited because I finally had some money. The guy who was working with me, doing the same job, was making twice than what I was making, and we both got hired at the same time. And I began to complain, and I got angry, and I say, how is it possible that this guy is doing the same job that I'm doing, and he's getting paid twice as me? And the Lord said to me, even though I didn't know God, but look how life slaps you in the face. Remember when you walked away from your education? The reason why he gets paid, what he gets paid, is because he has an education. He has a, he has a, a, a diploma. So he can demand a high raise. He could demand because he went to school for that. You didn't. You're, you're just here by... Pure divine blessing because you you shouldn't even be here to begin with. That was a slap in the face. And I realized that even though I was young and dumb. That sooner or later the choices that I made were going to follow me in life. And they're still following me and I'm 40. Now I embrace them now. Why? Because I understand that it could have turned out worse, but God still made a way where there was no way. So what God is saying to all of us today, if you're in a situation right now, prior to you being in that situation, the writings were on the wall. And they've been on the wall. You don't have to be a Christian to know that. You know 
that whatever you do in life will eventually catch up to you. Now, it's how we as believers, okay, turn that situation for good. In other words, it will benefit us. Even though we make mistakes, God is saying to us, we could turn around and those mistakes could benefit us in more ways than one. And one of the ways that your mistake can benefit you is that you learn from it. You learn from it. Experience will always override education. Period. Because I know some well-educated people with no experience. And I know some people that are not educated and have a lot of experience. Experience comes with life. And you will get that. God has been speaking to the church body of what's coming. For the last two years, we've been talking about it. You've been hearing about it. Now it's unfolding right before your own eyes. Am I right or wrong? Okay. God has said to us to prepare and to get right. To prepare means for you as an individual to look at your situation, not other situation, and make all of the adjustments that you have to make to prepare for what's coming. Okay. That's based. On everyone's circumstances or situation. So my situation might be different than your situation. But at the end of the day, you have to prepare. So we all have to prepare. And one of the things that the Lord has said to us is that it's coming. So when you look at the term, the writings on the wall, what it really means is that the signs are clear as day. That something will fail or no longer exist. That's what that term means. That the signs are what? Are clear. Amen? And something's about to what? Fail. And will no longer exist. As a church living in America, we must understand that the judgment of God is coming upon this nation. We have yet to address certain behaviors that we are not going to exclude ourselves, or in other words, make a pre-judgment and say, the reason why I did this and the reason why I act this way was because of this. No, at the end of the day, you will not be justified. You will give account for everything. Even me as a pastor, I will give account for every message that comes from this pulpit, for every leader that I position in their position. I have to give account to that, to God. I can't give account for the actions that people make. In their own lives. But I have to give account for what's going on up here. And what flows out of here. Are you hearing me? Amen. So. Here in America. We are seeing. What's taking place. It is our responsibility. As Christians. To look for the, the discernment of God. And how do you get discernment from God? You don't get discernment from God by waking up late. You don't get discernment by God. By ignoring the Bible. It is sad. That many of you only open your Bibles, and, I, and also those who are watching, only on Sundays. Only on Sundays. But then you want to have an argument with somebody that opens it every day. Most people don't open their Bibles during the week. But they want to have an argument with the ones who open it every day. 
and know what's in it. The word of God gives you his character and nature. When you look at the word of God and you begin to read it, it makes sense that God is a God of order. Because you begin to understand that the God that the Bible is speaking about, it's not the author of confusion. That everything serves a purpose in life. So when you begin to read the Bible, you begin to understand that God is a God of order. So in other words, if he said it, he meant it. Are you hearing me, church? So one of the things that we're seeing today in America is that many, including the church, are in denial. Are in denial. They're assuming or believing that things are going to get better. When in reality they're not, they're going to get worse. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you for what's coming. The America that we know today will no longer exist in a few years because pretty soon they're going to tell the church how to run. And that's persecution, not your cable bill. Just because you couldn't pay your cable bill and the cable man came and shut your cable, now you rebuke the the, 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 the cable guy. No, don't rebuke the cable guy. That's being irresponsible. That's not the devil. That's not a trial. That's not a tribulation. That's not being responsible and accountable. The real trial is when the devils and the witches start getting in your face and challenging the God that you serve. That's going to be the real issue. When they tell you you can't preach what you're not preaching. Or if you start, if you continue to preach that, we're going to throw you in jail. We're going to close down the door. That's the real persecution. That's why the Bible talks about the apostasy. The apostasy are going to be many Christians who once said, Oh, Jesus, I love you. And the moment they get persecuted, they're going to turn away and deny him just like Peter. And I'm trying to get you ready to understand that because your faith will be challenged in the coming years that we're facing. In every level, it will be challenged in every level. I know the worst in the world, which we live in, lives in denial. But if you want to know the real world, look at the world for what it is. Amen. Right now, in other countries, any minister that comes against what they have established is thrown into jail or killed. Okay? What do we see today in America? If there's no comfort... Okay, if, if, if there's no um, uh, what we call I'm looking for the words, uh, if, if there's no agreement with the parties that come to church, then we don't come to church. In other words, the relationship with God in America is what's in it for me. Rather than what's there in for God. That should be the real question. Now, the reason why the Lord took me. To this book. It was yesterday I was sitting down in my dining room table. And all of a sudden I saw a vision as I was eating. And all of a sudden I saw bricks fall. And the Lord said to me, get ready. And you know what he said to me this morning? Last night he told me, get ready. And I left it at that. I didn't even entertain it. I just spaced out for a minute and I just left it there. And he told me this morning, every person that has questioned what I have put in your mouth is going to cry. Is going to cry. And you're going to see it with your very own eyes. Because you're not going to be made out of a fool. Because you've been speaking my word. 
And what people have been doing in their mess is trying to get you tied up in that. To say that is me when it's not me. And I stood quiet this morning. I said, Lord, have your way. And I began to understand what Joseph was going through. And I'm going to take the story of Joseph and I'm going to bring it to today. Amen. The real economy in America is supposed to be based on jobs. That's the real economy. According to, uh, according to a research done in 2018, 68% of the economy of America was made by consumer spending. And 43% was labor. Okay, so 68% is wasting, okay? And, 40, and, and, and 43% is producing, being productive. Amen? So we spend more than what we make. Okay, so it wasn't Corona that caused this economical collapse that we're constantly seeing with our eyes. It it wasn't the past administration or the current administration. This has been boiling for a while. But the issue here is that sometimes we're focused on the White House when we should be focused on our house. That's the issue. Because we want to play the blame game. No, you are responsible for you and for your house. And for what God has given you as an individual. So don't question God in the times of trouble. So here in the story of Joseph, God gives a dream to Pharaoh that disturbs his spirit. Now understand this was the most powerful man in the nation at the time. In the world as well. The most powerful person. And all of a sudden he's he's caught up in a dream that disturbs his spirit. So he calls all the wise men, all the magicians, all the sorcerers to try to explain to him what this dream really means. And all of a sudden God uses a Hebrew boy who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, okay, accused of rape. And thrown in jail to give him the true meaning of the dream. So if you're going through something, eventually it's going to serve a purpose. So stop complaining. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Joseph walks into the scene and and he says, God will give you peace. Meaning that everything is going to work out for good. That's the first indication when God is in the mix. The first thing you should look out for, the first thing you should feel is peace, even in the midst of your mess, even in the midst of your search situation or circumstances. God gives peace. Now, when we look at today, we see that according to the uh, to the U.S. Bureau of Labor 2019 before COVID uh, before COVID. The average consumer spending was based on many things. Like, for example, dining out, apparel, personal care products, service, etc., and, 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 etc. Okay, so we know that something's coming. And God has been preparing us for that something that's coming or unfolding. Our job as believers is to have direction by the Holy Spirit to be led the right way. So as believers, we are not looking at Wall Street or the White House. We're looking at God's house. And we're saying, God, where do you want me? Where, I better said, what do you want me to do to get prepared for what's coming? 
But the majority of the Christians that are now caught up in this mess that's unfolding and untangling itself were sleeping to begin with. And now God is rising men who are saying, hey, wait a minute, there's still time to fix this mess. Even though the writing's on the wall, there's still an opportunity for you to get it right, for you to make all the adjustments that you need to make in order to have a better outcome. But the problem with us sometimes is that our feelings get in the way. And our feelings mislead us, especially when we make decisions that have long-term consequences. For example, I can't go based on the reaction of people. Because if I go based on the reaction of people, I wouldn't be preaching up here. I'll be sitting down. Because alone, with the reaction of people today, you see so much uncertainty. You got other people, they don't even know what's going on. They're here on earth, but they're not on earth. I don't know where they are. I think they're up there in Mars somewhere. With, with the guy from Tesla who's trying to build uh, a, a rocket to, to up there, up there, <laughs> up there, spending his money up there. He's he going to find out real quickly there's nothing up there because God created the earth and God wanted human beings to be on earth, not on Mars. Amen. But that's what happens when the spirit of confusion and, and demonic forces and influence, all of that get in people's brains, they become subject to that and then they start thinking well in order to fix the world we must move out of the planet and go to another planet good luck with that amen so when we're dealing with the human body or we're dealing with people we have to keep this in mind that we are made out of emotions but in reality our emotions are just a thought of a feeling that's it the real you is your what? Soul, your body, and your spirit. That's what makes you who you are. And God is trying to get your attention based on you, not your emotions. So facts will always override feelings. And the fact of the matter is that we all know as we look on the news or we walk down the street or we, or, 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 or we open up the newspaper that things are not getting what? Better. So that's an indication that you got to get right with God. Because in a blink of an eye, the rapture could take place. In a blink of an eye. In a blink of an eye. We, we heard about Bill Gates trying to get this chip going. The book of Revelation told us about that chip. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the signs are clear. So I know that each and every one of us have a situation that we're currently dealing with. But the, the, but the bigger picture is the whole picture, not just one part of the picture. So we need to get ourselves right with God and make things right by saying to God, God, I repent of my wicked ways. I'm going to seek you in spirit and truth. Do with me as you please, rather what I want, rather what I want it to be. Amen? So as a congregation, we must understand that this is what we're facing. Now, in the midst of this pandemic, there's also an economical crisis taking place. Many people have little savings or no investments at all. COVID-19 was the tip of the iceberg, and COVID-19 has created both a public health crisis and also an economical crisis. And God is saying to the church, this is going to get worse But he's getting you ready because you're going to be the voice. 
for the voiceless. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many people that you come in contact daily don't even know what's going on. And God is giving you the opportunity for you to check in with him so that he can give you the words so that you can bring that person to Christ rather than you trying to bring your problems to God. In the midst of that, he will help you solve your situations or your problems or the things that you have caused. So these are seven unique ways that God speaks and communicates with his people. Number one, by his word. If you don't read the word of God, you are subject. You are subject, 100%. You are subject to anything else that's not from God. That means that every decision that you make, you got to make sure it was God that told you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the only way that you can know that is by reading the Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, every decision that you, that you make could lead to destruction. That's why I'm very careful when it comes down to making decisions because I want to make sure that I'm doing it by the word of God because the only, the first way that God communicates with his people is through his word. Are you hearing me, church? If you don't read this for yourself, you're never going to understand who God is. Don't say amen to me or to what I'm preaching if you have yet to size it up with the word of God. Amen. Number two, God communicates with his people by numbers. Numbers, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. I'm all about numbers. The older I get, the more I can round up numbers. If the numbers don't make sense to me, I'm not making the deal. Because I understand that there's an importance in numbers. Okay. As you get older, you learn to appreciate the years. You learn to appreciate life. Why? Because now you have more experience. You understand that a lot of people who grew up with you are no longer here. So you begin to embrace your age. I know some ladies say, no, 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 pastor, I'm good. I, you know, I stopped counting when I was 25. Let me tell you, sorry, stop lying to yourself. Keep counting. Amen. Numbers. Number, t- number three, God speaks to us through dreams. Not every dream is from God. Keep that in mind. Because a lot of you go to sleep watching things that can disturb your sleep. So whatever you're watching or you're giving yourself to can disrupt and corrupt your dreams. Amen. So we got to be careful that if we were watching the Discovery Channel before we went to bed and we started dreaming with animals and all this. Now, oh, God is trying to give me a sign. No, that was the episode that you finished, that you didn't really finish because you fell half asleep through it, but you kept, you kept it in your mind and it was incorporated in there. Somehow, somehow it played way. No, that's not a dream from God. That was something that you were subject and open to before going to bed. Amen. That's why it's important when you go to bed to shut off your phone, your computer and things like that. It's okay if you want to keep your computer and your phone on all the time, but let me tell you something. You could become vulnerable. You have to develop a discipline. There's, there's nothing wrong with going to sleep, watching a movie, or, or, or being on your phone. If that's you, that's fine. But let me tell you something. At many times, that can corrupt you. Because instead of your body getting the proper rest and the mind properly shutting down, you left it open to something. And in the midst of that, that now incorporates into your dreams. Amen? 
Uh, number four, God speaks to us through signs. God is speaking clearly through his signs. No, number five, God speaks to us through wonders. Number six, God speaks to us through prophecy. And number seven, God speaks to us through revelation. Now, the reason why I'm going through fast through this is because we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Amen. I want to get to the point today where God has called me to drive the church to the real point. We must understand that as believers. We are responsible for everything that we do. I know that sounds very cliche. That sounds something like, Pastor, that doesn't make absolutely any sense because it's very difficult and hard for me to keep account for everything that I say and everything that I do. But in reality, God expects that from you. Okay? So as a pastor, as a Christian, okay, the first thing that I want to make sure is that everything that I do, I do it to honor him. Amen. Amen. Not to honor my wife, not to honor my, 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 my daughter, not to honor the apostle. I got to honor who first? Because if I honor someone before God, then my priorities are what? Are wrong. Amen. Because he's the head. Okay. Once I honor him, then I honor myself. Okay. If you don't honor yourself, don't demand honor and respect from other people. Because people will determine who you are by the way you speak, by the way you walk, and by the way you behave yourself. So really, you're a report card of you. You understand? That's why some of these youth, they don't talk to me. Like they talk to other people. Because they know what's up. I'll check them in their place. It's like uh, my spiritual daughter Erica said to me, Pastor, even a child, you give them a life lesson. And I say, yeah. Because life serves as a purpose. Now, I joke around and I play and stuff like that. But mainly, I try to keep myself neutral. Because if I keep myself neutral, I could also account for my wrongs. Rather than just act a certain way and then blame everybody else for it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So... We as people have to learn that, especially in times like that. So if God is speaking to me through the word, if God is speaking to me uh, through through the dreams and if God is speaking through me through numbers and God is speaking to me through signs, through wonders and prophecies and revelation, then I have to have an understanding of who God is. And if I have an understanding of who God is, then I can determine where I am in life. Me as an individual. That's the real question you should be asking yourself. Where are you right now in the midst of everything? Where are you right now in the midst of the pandemic? Where are you in the midst of this economical crisis? Where are you right now? I heard a prophet said, this is not a pandemic based on COVID. This is not an economical um recession pandemic that we're dealing with he said we are dealing with a porn pandemic and i understood what he was saying because the numbers don't lie they're saying that during the time of this coronavirus porn and alcohol went up the roof in america in america in america so out of 10 houses eight of them were some way, somehow engaged in porn activity and alcohol. My question is, how many of those houses were Christian? If this nation, according to statistics, 
the majority of the people that live in this nation confess that they're Christians. The judgment begins with the house first. That's what the Bible says. So before any judgment comes down, it starts where? With the house. That includes you. That includes me. So me as an individual, I'm looking at everything. And I'm saying to myself, God, what am I doing that it's not pleasing you or honoring you? I didn't ask him for my wife. I didn't ask him for my daughter because I can't give account for them. I have to give account for me. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So as an, as a pastor, what I'm trying to teach you is that you as a person, you are responsible for you. You see, sometimes you get out of track because you're trying to fix someone that doesn't need any fixing or doesn't want any fixing. Okay. The reason why people respect you and people will follow you when you're consistent. That's why when people call me about financial decisions, it's because somehow, some way, they saw something in me. That they say, I want to know how the pastor does it because everything he touches, it succeeds. Now, if people call you for gossip all the time, what are they looking at you? They're looking at you as what? As an enabler. If people call you all the time to gossip to you, they're looking at you really as an enabler because they know that you're going to take everything that you have to say and you ain't going to say nothing back to them that's going to contradict what you're saying. You want the people to get in your face and say, no, that's wrong. Because they care about you. Rewind going back to my mom. She cared about me, so she had that heart of heart. She said, do whatever you want. And I remember... When I was seven years old, she said this to me very clearly. She said, don't worry, one day you're going to be a father. One day. At the age of seven, she told me that. And at the age of 15, she gave up. And later on in life, I figured out that everything she wanted for me was for my best. But I didn't see it that way. That's why we rub people hard sometimes. That's that tough love. That's that real love. Because when somebody loves you, they're going to rub you in a place that you need to be rubbed, even though you don't like the feeling of it. But it's for your own good. Now, if I didn't care about you, I'll preach to you how God's going to bless you in your hot mess. And three years go by and you're still a hot mess. And seven years go by, you're still a hot mess. And the saddest thing that you can see in life, it's an older person making a decision of a teenager. Like wearing your daughter's clothes. You passed that. I'm I'm, going to pick on men too. I've seen old men right now, twice my age, with their pants sagging. I know y'all don't want to laugh because y'all know a few people. That's okay. The camera's pointing at me. I'm the one taking all the heat. Don't worry about that. You safe. They don't know you here. But that's a sad thing. But that's a reality in life. And when we talk about things like that, everybody looks at you like you're the bad person. You're being judgmental. You don't understand. But in reality, the person who's calling it out, it's the person that really understands. Because that's not a normal behavior. So Pharaoh knew that this dream was going to unfold because it disturbed his spirit. And now he says, I need 
someone in a place that was never an existing place. The, the position that they put Joseph into to govern someone that I can trust, someone that could give me wise counsel, someone that's not in it just for themselves, but they're in it for the whole thing. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? So he decided to say, I'm listening to you, Joseph, but what you're saying, you're that man, you're that person. In other words, crisis produces opportunities. Right now is a great opportunity for you as a Christian to make a second coming. To make a turnaround in your life. And God is giving you that opportunity because he's shutting everything down. Restaurants were closed for a while. That was a perfect time to have revival. That was a perfect time to, 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 to pray and seek God. But no, Netflix became the number one priorities alongside with Hulu and, and Disney+. Plus. I, I didn't see, according to statistics, that the numbers of Bibles went up on sale. So when we're looking at the whole picture for what it is, we're seeing that the priorities are what? All, all jacked up, all over the place. Now, for your own good, God is saying, listen, I love you so much that I'm giving you a second opportunity for you to look at the whole picture. Not just one part of the picture, but the whole picture for what it is. And right now is not time for you as an individual to make a, a decisions based on emotions and not true facts. So I'm doing everything that I can to protect myself for what's coming because I could be one paycheck away. Hello? Am I speaking to the right church? Hello? Before COVID, people were one paycheck away from being homeless. Before COVID, people didn't have $500 check to write out or $500 of their own money, not credit money, their own money as a reserve. They didn't have that. So now they're saying a second wave is coming, okay? In the midst of this, this is all going to drive and affect everyone from the corner guy to the guy in the CEO up in the office around the glass surrounded office. It affects us all. And God is saying it is time to prepare for what's coming. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's coming. It's coming. So as a church, we must develop characteristics of a person or an individual that's going to overcome during a crisis. So let's look at seven traits that we can learn from. The first trait that we should learn from is do not panic. Do not panic. Do not panic. God is in control. That's the first trait. You want to keep in mind at all times. Write that down. Do not panic. Now this is for only God fearing people. This is not for jokesters. This is not for people that it goes in one ear and it goes out the other. People that come to church and say, take it personal. Pastor saying that because of me. Because he doesn't like me. Now grow up. You know who doesn't like you? The devil. Okay? And you're going to be meeting him soon if you don't get yourself straight. If you don't get yourself right. Because the Bible says that many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, I cast out demons. I sung worship. I did this. I came to church. I mopped the floor. I danced around. I, I made a mess. I, 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 I attended everything. And, and God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. 
That's what the Bible says. I didn't say that. Why? Because God knows the real you. The one that falls asleep without praying. The one that doesn't open the Bible. But the one that wants rights. How in the world can you get rights when you ain't even right with God to begin with? You ain't even right. You got to get right with God. I'm human. I get upset. I get angry about certain things. But one of the things that you will never see me do is curse, get upset, or do the opposite of what God expects from me. But I'm human. I do get moody from time to time. And I might go to sleep without speaking to no one. But I'll get over it the next day. But there's people that take that and that's their lifestyle. They wear that. Before they wear anything else, they wear that. Why is everybody looking at me? I don't have a crappy face. (laughs) But in reality, you're wearing it. You're wearing it. So if you want to follow godly advice and you want to uh, survive this crisis that we're currently going through and you want to become out, you want to come out victorious, the first thing you need to understand, not to panic. God is in control. God will give you peace. God will make a way where there's no way. Now, how does God give you peace? That's the question. This is how God gives you peace. When your ways are pleasing to him. How are you a husband and you always treating your wife like crap and you call yourself a man of God? You yell at her, you reprimand her, you're, you're constantly, constantly, you're being vulgar and everything. And then you say, no, God told me, no, 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 no. There's a time and a place for everything. Amen. And vice versa, a wife as well. You need to understand that in order for God to give you the peace that he's talking about, your life has to align with his. And how is your life aligned with God? By his word. And how do you know his word? When you read it. You are able to understand that all things are possible through Jesus Christ. And all things are made new for those who trust in the Lord. That's scripture. So in order for me to be a part of that, I need to make all the adjustments. And to live a life according to what God has called me. Not according based on what I feel or what I think. Because every decision that I make. Has consequences, whether good or bad. Keep that in mind. So in a time like this, you know why I'm not panicked? Because I've been doing everything, everything, and I mean it, everything, to the T. I have not been great at it, but I've been doing it. I might have been a little rude or a little off here and there because there's a lot of pressure. Because when you're a pastor and God is bombarding you with all this stuff, you're thinking about all this stuff, and then you're seeing the people, and you're like saying, oh my God, how how am I going to get this message through? if they they don't even look like they're alive to begin with. And I mean this everywhere you go, people are walking around like zombies. Like I couldn't believe that as soon as they started lifting some of the restrictions, right? People were upset because Marshall wasn't opening. And I said, are you kidding me? You're thinking about a department store, not a pandemic. You're not thinking about running into the grocery store, running into the pharmacy and getting what you need rather than what you want. But people were having a fit because Marshall's was in well stock. Let me tell you something. When you don't have no food, you take that Louis Vuitton shirt and you burn it and you eat it. I told my wife, we're buying right now. I'm giving, I'm telling y'all what we doing. One of the things that I'm saving is water, rice. Oh, hey, on Spanish. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, you got to put away the rice. 
pasta, all non-perishable items. We're putting them away. We're starting little by little, little by little, because we know that if we have a famine or an economical collapse, what's going to happen is that the price of bread will skyrocket overnight. So one loaf of bread can cost you $10 to $20. You don't believe me? Google Venezuela. They're going through it right now. Venezuela's driving economy was oil. They'll give you oil over food. Because they have a food shortage in Venezuela right now as I speak. And this has been going on for a couple years. They, they, they send a milk truck over there. They get raided. The, the driver gets killed just because the people are in desperate need of milk. And that's coming to America as well. If we have an economical collapse. So we must understand that money will not be key. But the essentials and the necessities of life will be key. That's why it's very important that you start storage, uh, not hoarding, but storaging up at least six months or three months minimum. Okay, in case something happens and have some cash at hand, because if the banks decide to pull the plug and close, guess what? When you go to the ATM, your money's not going to be available. Okay, get a safe and don't tell nobody where that safe is and don't tell nobody what you've been doing because they're going to go to your house first. I remember when we were kids, when we were kids, our parents used to send us to our neighbor's house with the grocery list. Remember that? I remember I went to, I can't remember her name. I think it was Virginia's house. I went to Virginia's house with a list like this. And as soon as she opened the door, her husband was hiding everything. Because <laughs> they knew. My mom said, I'll pay you on the first. Yeah, right. Amen. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> You guys get me off track all the time, man. I'm, I'm trying to be serious up here, man. Stop looking at me like that, Jabari. You know it's true. Hiding over there with his mask saying, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Number two, take ownership. In other words, be accountable. Take accountability for your victories and your losses. Learn from both of them, from both aspects. So if you lost prior to the pandemic, learn from that. If you gain, learn from that as well. Understand this, that learning is important because learning will give you power in the long run. The more you know, the more power you have. And what is power? Knowledge. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So as, as Christians, we must take ownership. We must say, you know what? I messed up. I did this wrong, but I did this right. And I, I'm going to do everything possible to make this right. But I'm not going to allow this to consume me because in all reality, I have an opportunity to change things around for the better. Amen. So one of the things that I'm doing right now is that most people are, are forgot about getting water. So we storaging up water. You know what I'm going to do next? Go grab me some paper toilet because I guarantee you by the end of this year, that's going to be the drama. That's going to be the drama. Amen. And a couple of bars of soap too to go along with it. Amen. Number three. Don't take failures personal. As believers, we must understand that it is important for us to understand that everything that has happened is not our fault. Everyone played a role in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It takes two to fight. It takes two to make love. It takes two to argue. It takes two to talk. Am I right or wrong? So if you acknowledge your part, 
Okay, and you do your part and keeping in mind as well that not everything is your fault. You as an individual are able to see everything for what it is, because if you sit on one side, for example, if I sit on one side and everything that I did wrong, I lose out on all the good things that I have done. And many of us are still stuck in our failures. We're stuck in one area in our life. We'll say, man, if I, if I, if I would have said this, if I would have done this, and maybe if I would have, maybe, 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 guess what? The reality is that at the end of the day, you did your part. The other person did their part. You accept your part and you learn from it. And you keep moving because in all reality, you did something good in it. Owning your mistakes as well. But sometimes we become prisoners of ourselves and we begin to torment ourselves. Amen. It's like my mom used to say to me, yo te enseñé. I, I told you, I taught you, you get what I'm saying? So now deal with it. Amen. Number four. And, and, uh, and another thing that I want to uh, also incorporate on number three, do not take uh, failures uh, personally. Separate your personal feelings from the matter of. So in other words, don't allow your emotions to mislead you. You'll get through it. And eventually you will get over it. Amen. I look at some of the pictures. I'm back in the day when I was out there while and out. I look at some of the videos when we first started preaching. When we when God called us to we, we look scared. We look shook. And now I look at myself and I go, wow, I have grown. I have improved in many areas. I still got to improve in many other areas, but I, but I'm moving forward. Amen. So always celebrate yourself to a certain extent. Don't become a prima donna as well. Amen. You know, keep it like my wife said. Okay. Okay. Jose. Yeah. You look good. But remember, I'm your wife as well. I look better because I got you. And she's right. Amen. She's right. She doesn't say it in that. I'm just paraphrasing. But I know what she means. Amen. She was like, you look good because I look good and I make you look good. That's what she's trying to. The writings are on the wall. <laughs> or, or a favorite or something favorite. She likes to say, oh, don't get don't let your head get big. Don't let, don't let your head get big. <laughs> Number four. Every crisis produces an opportunity. Experience shows maturity. We all have learned from our experiences in life. Like right now, we're currently going through this recession. We're currently going through this crisis. But we should have learned from the 2008 housing marketing bubble. Amen. That people were getting houses that they couldn't afford. Now, let me tell you something. Financially, you need to look at your finances because the guy at the dealership and the mortgage company is not looking at that. They're just looking at selling you something and making a few quick bucks. Amen. At your expense. Amen. That's why I'm very, very frugal and very, very knowledgeable on when I'm going to make a decision that it's going to be for a couple of years of payment. Because I know that sooner or later, who are they going to be looking for? It's me. I'm the one that's going to be responsible for that amount. So as an individual, we must learn from our past. So 60% or 65% of your income shouldn't be tied up in debt. Am I speaking to the right church? You have to look at your income for what it is and you have to learn and say, okay, I have to fix this. I have to fix this. Maybe I need to refinance. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that in order to put myself or put yourself, better said, 
in a better situation or predicament. Amen. So you want to look at some of your finances right now. If you are currently in a situation, it's not the end. God has a way. He has a better way. So start speaking to the Holy Spirit. Begin to pray and start showing God areas of your life where you have failed and say, God, I want to make this right. Please show me how to manage my finances in my life. Amen. Number five. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Your behavior speaks volumes. You have to keep in mind that as you're growing, as you're expanding, as you're becoming that person that God has called you to be, in the midst of your growing pains, God is designing you. This is what God is doing right now to some of you. Okay, like he did with me. He's stretching you. He's pulling you. He's tucking you. He's doing a lot of things in you. Why? Because you're about to walk into your destiny. Like, for example, when you take the life of Joseph, when before Pharaoh called him up, he had gone through 19 years of his life of disappointment. First, his brothers sell him out, right? Then he's sold into slavery. Then He's accused. Then he's thrown in jail for 17 or 18 or 19 years. He's going through this situation. Amen. And all of a sudden, in the midst of his turmoils, in the midst of of his situation, what is God doing? God is preparing him for what? To be the governor of all Egypt. In his dream, he didn't see that happening. What he had was a dream that he told his brothers and he told his father. They rebuked him and that dream turned into a nightmare. And then fast forward many years later, the position arrives and a crisis comes about and God sets him up to be the man of the hour. In other words, every crisis produces an opportunity. If you're into investment in stocks, start investing in what? Mass. Hand sanitizers. Why? Because that will be forever the new normal. Even if we find a vaccine or we could get a hold of COVID, people will never feel the same way like they used to because it's a stronghold in their mind. They will always wear masks for the rest of their life, especially this generation. Amen. That will become part of their wardrobe. That will become an accessory to them. Amen. So if you're wise and you're into stock, now is the perfect time to invest into gloves, hand sanitizers, and masks. You're going to make a fortune. Amen. God is good. So that's a good opportunity for you to fix your income or bring in a source of income or also help you get out of some debt. So every crisis produces a what? Amen. Number five, your attitude will determine your altitude. I said that earlier and your behavior speak volumes. The way you carry yourself and the way you act shows God if you're ready. So if I get on your nerves... And you start cussing like you were cussing before. That shows God that you ain't ready. Even if you make a face gesture. So God wants to promote you, right? But before he promotes you, he wants to test you. I'm not going to use the word test. He, a challenge. God's going to challenge. So, so God's looking at you. And he's been working with you for the last couple of years. And he's been stretching you, pulling you, tucking you. Doesn't it sound like one of those makeover bodies? But in reality, he's not. He's doing with your inner man, right? So he's pulling you. He's tucking, blah, 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 blah. 
and he's just waiting for the opportunity. And all of a sudden, it's like it's like a, a car or or um, anything that they make, they test it first, right? They when they when they're building cars, they they have that uh, they have that test where they put the crash dummies in it, and they crash right into the wall. What what kind of job is that, huh? Ain't that something, right? Take a brand new car and just bash it against the wall. Amen. And based on what happens, they determine where they need to fix and adjust and so forth. So God is preparing you and here you are ready to get promoted and you blow it because you're still having a fit like you were in the seventh grade. Now, Joseph is in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh heard about him. He was recommended to Pharaoh because I guess he told someone's dreams and they came to path, which it was the cupbearer and the barrel man. So now he comes out and he's front in front of Pharaoh. And the first thing that he does as an individual, he listens to what Pharaoh has to say. In other words, while he was in jail, he learned ethics. Many of you have not been promoted yet because you have yet to learn ethics. And God is trying to get you to your destiny, but you yet to learn decades. Because everybody gets on your nerves. And you don't have to say nothing, you just wear it. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. Every time my daughter's with me, I do my very best to emulate who God is. You know why? Because she reminds me of what I'm not supposed to be doing. And I don't want to hear that. So if I don't want my daughter to flip her finger at people that pass her or cut her, then I shouldn't be doing that. You get what I'm saying? Because someone is always going to be reminded of where you are. The, the real challenge is that, that, that you're facing is that every single day, God is trying to get you as an individual, myself as well, to get a better understanding of where I am in life. And how much I have matured. So my attitude, in other words, my response towards the circumstances, towards the situation, determine who I really am inside. Are you hearing me? So if you want to improve in that area, you have to keep this in mind. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Don't ask God for more if you have yet to deal with the petty stuff in your life. God can make you a millionaire overnight. God can give you something overnight. God can give you what people never thought you can get in life. But God wants to want, God wants to know how you're going to react once you get it. Because I know people that when they get stuff, they different. They different. And you know a few people too. You can say their name. They ain't listening. Amen. Number six. I'm going quickly. Amen. If God called you, he is faithful to keep you. Your testimony tells it all. You know what you've gone through and what God has delivered you from. God has called you and he's been faithful to you. I know that some of you cannot say that because you believe that the only source that you have is what you have accomplished. But let me tell you something. Who gave you the air and another day in life for you to live? So everything that you have accomplished and everything you have, whether you give credit to God or not, it came from him. Amen. So remember that. Amen. Your testimony will always remind you and will always tell others of the God of you.
Amen. So if you want to be a person respected in the kingdom of God, then you got to give respect back. You can't be preaching one thing and doing another thing. Amen. You have to. You'd be surprised. Yesterday I was I went to the store with my wife and I, you know, once the ladies go into the women's section, I try to like walk away to the other section, you know, let the women do their thing. And I'm in the other section. And I did. And I came across this this display of candles and I grabbed the candle. Now, mind you, I don't have a suit on. I have on my my joggers. I had on my Buffalo Bills uh, apparel, you know, because we have to wrap. You know, they're doing really good right now. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's. I had the hat, it was crisp, you know, nice, you know, proud, amen, nobody taunting us, nobody talking junk, we 4 and oh, amen, I just, just keep that, amen, so I'm over here, I got the mask on, and I'm smelling a candle, mind you, I'm all up in this candle, I'm like, <laughs> it smells so good, I, I wish I had a spoon, <laughs> literally, it literally, I don't know how they got the scent, but it smelled like some pumpkin pie, it wasn't pumpkin pie, but t- I'm telling you something. I was ready to scoop in there. I wouldn't be here today. I would have been admitted somewhere down there. Amen. And out of nowhere, this person says, stop smelling that if you're not going to buy it. So I, you're Christian. Oh, it's my friend. I haven't seen her in a long time, you know. And I said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I said, check yourself before. And it came down. And I said, hey, how you doing? I didn't really want to say, hey, how you doing? I wanted to say, mind your business. But I checked myself before I wrecked myself. And we began to speak. And... Make a long story short, we ended up spending some time talking to them because we haven't seen them in such a long time. And one of the things that they brought up that was concerning, that they were sharing with us how they were part of a congregation that never preached this message. And it took a while for them to understand that this is the real gospel. So in the midst of that conversation, I was telling them, I was saying, you know what, you, you, you need to heal in that area of your life. Because in all reality, it's not the pastor's fault that misled you. You misled yourself to begin with because you should be matching this with what the pastor's saying. You see, I could get this church full if I begin to start hyping this church. Free miracles on Thursday. A hundred dollars at the door. God loves you and he will keep you. We have all of that songs. We couldn't fit nobody in here. But in all reality, is that the gospel? No. So I said to them, the good thing is that you figured it out. You got to a better place. Now it's time for healing. That's why we have to understand that when we come to church, we come to church to be edified. We don't come to church to be entertained. So if you really take church as a place of entertainment, you're really missing out on what God wants to do with you. Amen. And God has all the best intent to bless you. Amen. So 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 we see here that uh, if God has called you, he is faithful to keep you. Your testimony will speak loudly of who you are. Look at Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. I am with you and I will watch over you. That is a promise of God. So if God has called you, he is faithful to keep you. Let me tell you this. You don't have to explain to anyone why you're so blessed. You don't owe it to anyone. 
You owe it to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why I'm very thankful and grateful for the things that God has done in my life. And number seven, lastly, you have to learn how to prioritize. Do not worry about the White House. Worry about your house. Time is valuable. Order is key. If you don't know how to prioritize, God will never delegate anything to you. Okay? Now, I want to make something clear so that way people are not confused. A blessing is not something that God um, that God gave to you in the sense because you're doing what he has called you to do. That's part of the package. God blesses you because of his mercy and his grace, but in reality, he doesn't have to. And a lot of people come to church seeking God for what they can get rather than what you can offer. All right. So many of you are holding your calling hostage because God hasn't given you that car or that house or that wife or that husband or those children. I'm not going to serve God until he gives me a child. And God is like, please. Now, he doesn't act like that. But if I was God, I was like, it's like your kids, you know, these kids today, man, they're like entitled. Like you need a kind of. You got to go to the grocery store now and you got to make sure that you bring the baby back what the baby wants. Bring the baby back a job application. <laughs> don't bring it. Are we eating collard greens? You don't like it too bad. Get a job. Get your own stuff. Freeloader. No, I'm just <laughs> I said it for y'all. That's not my case. I said it for y'all because y'all can't say it like I can. Because y'all afraid, y'all like, dang, pastor, I want to say that, but, you know, I, I might not end up at home tonight. I'm saying it for y'all. That's not my case. But what I'm saying is that, you know, when you learn to prioritize as an individual, God can give you. So going back to the blessing. Okay, first of all, when God gives you a blessing, it turns as a benefit for you. So blessing from God are benefits. Okay. When it's not from God, it drains you. See the difference? So when God gives you something, it's not supposed to drain you. It's supposed to benefit you. Now, there's a lot of people that say God gave me this. But when you look at the the details of that blessing, that wasn't God. Because how is it possible that God gave you something, but now you are a slave to your job? You don't have no time for the family. You ain't definitely got no time for church, but God gave you that. No, you gave that to yourself, and then you turn around and said that was God who gave it to you. Because when God gives you something, it doesn't come with strings attached. It's free and clear. Now, you determine how long is that going to bless you or if you're going to give your blessing away. You determine that, not God. So we got to get that straight in our minds. We got to get that straight in our hearts that God is not in the business of negotiating with you. God blesses you accordingly. The reason why God hasn't blessed you like your next door neighbor is because you're not your next door neighbor. I see my next door neighbor. They doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I said, man, the the well is deep there. Shoot, every week they got a new project. I said, the money really grow on trees over here. Not over here, but time will tell. When you see that foreclosure sign, 
I'm not saying that, but you don't know. Some people just go crazy with their finances. No, 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 not me. I get a coupon on top of a coupon. Yesterday, I went I went to a store because the Lord has been placing in my heart. You need to get a globe or a map because a prophet and a pastor has to have a globe and a map. So I said, I'm going to get me a globe. So I went to the store and I bought me this big old globe and it had just a little rip. I went to the cashier and I said, look, it's the only one that got a rip. Can you give me a discount? She looked at this thing. Like if she was <laughs> expecting, like if she was, like she had a hundred dollar bill and she was a, 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 making sure it was legit. And she's like, I'll take a dollar off. I said, that's fine. A dollar is a dollar. What I did, I grabbed me that dollar. We went to Dunkin' Donuts and we got ourselves some iced coffees. It's a dollar less that I had to pay. Thing looked fine to me. The only one that knows that that mark is there is just me. No one else will know it unless I point it out. Amen. What I'm saying is. Not to have the hustler mentality, but have the mentality that everything that God has given you has a value to it. How God give you 40 hours a week and God provided for you to have a paycheck and you just blowing your money away. Like I don't pay full price for stuff that's damaged or ripped. And if it's the only one, I'll negotiate the price. There's nothing wrong with that. Is there anything wrong with that? Anybody could get a deal on, a, on any given day. But the attitude should always be is God, thank you. For what you have given me and I'm going to take care of what you have given me. How can you ask God for a house when you can't even clean your apartment? Prioritize. Oh, I'm waiting for God to give me a new car because I don't like this car. You know, this car is dirty. Who? who? I'm trying to make, please, I'm trying to make sense of this. Someone the other day pulled up and said, Pastor, don't, don't come in my car. I said, I ain't going in your car. I can't even fit in your car. Look at all that trash. Get in that car. Get lost in that car. <laughs> Pastor Millie over here calling me. Where you at? I'm held hostage. I'm in a car full of litter, and it got to me, and I'm drowning in the midst of this. I need help. <laughs> this is the stuff we put up with, and then people try to make sense of that. You know, because God's going to give me a new husband. Your husband's still alive. What do you mean God's going to give you a new husband? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, God's going to give me a new wife. Your wife is here. What are you talking about? You want a new wife. You can't recycle your wife. You can't trade her in for another one. That doesn't work like that. That's a human being. I know some people wish that. They'll be like, oh, I wish I, that life was like a vending machine. I could just go in and press a button and get whatever I want. It doesn't work that way. And that's what we teach our kids. That's why when they get up in the morning, where's breakfast? Where's what? What? You ain't seven years old. You ain't, I, I mean, when I was seven, man, come on, man. We was washing clothes, folding clothes, ironing clothes, doing our beds. You, you know, many of us today don't even have fingerprints because we used to test everything like this. We want to make sure everything's working. Our kids don't even know how to plug a phone to the wall. How we knew when we was growing up, how we knew if that if that outlet had electricity. Stick your finger in it. You might get shot for a little bit, but you knew if, if the stove was working, if the if the plancha was working, the iron. We don't have no look, I don't have no fingerprints. The battery in the car, you want to make sure it's working. You had no cables. 
¡Ah! Oh, ok, sí, 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 prende, 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 caro, préndelo. If we're going to get there, we don't know if we're going to get back, we're going to get there. You know, how you know it's working? I tested it. It shocked me back. Tony, what's up with this generation? And like that, they want to get married. They don't even know how to fry an egg, let alone boil an egg. And then you get mad at me. My wife knows that I survive in anything. She's like, you will eat anything. Yep, that's right. I survive, brother. We old school. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my wife said to me the other day, man, that, that food was bad. It was bad at the moment, but I made it good when it came down my belly. It's been sitting there for a week. That's fine. Prioritize. Show God that you're ready. Show God. Not with your words, with your actions. God, I'm ready for this job. I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to iron my suit. I'm going to make sure that when an opportunity comes my way, I'm able to get up and go. Look at Joseph in chapter uh, 41, verse 14. It said that as soon as Pharaoh called for Joseph, Joseph got up and said, first of all, let me take a shower and let me shave because he knew that he was going to be in the presence of royalty. And in order for him to be accepted, he had to shave off and take off his old rags. Stop being ratchet. God is trying to bless you, but you're taking life lightly. God will not bless no hot mess. And you should print that in a shirt. You know how me and my wife always go to the stores? My wife prints shirts. I'm going to have her print me a shirt that says, God don't bless no hot mess. And I'm going to put it next to the shirt that says, God blesses a hot mess. And I'm going to say, contrary to the man, God doesn't. I'll become a millionaire. Y'all ain't with me, man. We close with this. Look at the whole picture. Something's unfolding. Everything is going to affect everything. And if we're not prepared, we're going to be victims of ignorance. God is preparing us for what is coming. That's not to scare you. That's for you to start going home and start really looking at everything. Everything, literally everything, everything. And say, if I could save a few dollars here, I'm going to do that. If, if, if I could get off the phone and spend more time in the presence of God, I'm going to do that. Prepare yourself a room, a corner, and pray to God. Listen, you're going to get better answers than the one I'm giving you when you have a relationship with God. You're only getting what God is giving me, but God has more to say to you. God has said to me so many things that I can't share with you. Why? Because they're for me, not for you, not to be announced. I used to make that mistake. As soon as God used to speak to me, I used to tell everybody. Oh, God told me this. You know what happened? I found myself surrounded by dream catchers. You're catching my, no, that's not the God I serve. I don't know what you're talking about, Willis. And my name became Willis. I went through all those phases. I'm not the same person that I was in 2008. 
I'm not the same person that I was in 2018. I'm growing. I'm expanding. Now, the reason why I use me for an example, because I don't want to point out anyone, because at the end of the day, it's not right to do that. So I use myself as an example. Now, what God wants to do with you is different than what he wants to do with me. So if you're going through a crisis, through a situation right now, thank God for it. Thank God for the people that betrayed you. Thank God for the people that talked about you. Thank God for the people that sold you out. Thank God that they threw you in the jail and you're in that jail, but you're coming out because God is setting up a scenery and they're going to call your name. Are you ready to enter into your moment in life? Right now, there's a crisis with your name on it. By the end of this week, someone's going to call you. And God's giving you the answer for that person or that individual, that group, whatever the case might be. And they're going to reward you for that. One of the rewards that I get, one of the benefits that I love being a pastor, being a mentor, that whoever calls me, nine out of ten times when they invite me, I ain't paying for the bill. That's a benefit. And, and I love it when people take me out to eat and they'll be like, Pastor, Leno, Leno, Leno. I'm looking at parts of the menu that I never look at. Appetizer. Dessert. Prime steak. Pastor Millie's underneath the table touching me like, Suave, suave, no te pidiendo eso. I said, they said that I got order and we have it all. Open dialogue? No. No. Break pockets. (laughs) I don't do that all the time. But when I do, I do. Closing thoughts. The Holy Spirit is speaking loud and clear. We're heading into some troubled times. We know that. We know that. But the outcome could be different for us as individuals. Just because the house next to you is foreclosing, your house doesn't have to foreclose. Just because the marriage across the street getting divorced, even though we pray that they don't, that doesn't mean that you're going to get divorced. Just because... The children across the street are running away and running wild and doing all things. That doesn't mean your children are going to do that. It's like my mother used to say, not my child. And one of the things that she used to make sure, and it's one of the things that I said, over my dead body. Amen. So to put this in a nutshell and make sense of everything that God is telling us today, we must understand that we play a critical and vital role in the end times. And as people of God, we have to prioritize our time with God. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a religious freak. No, there's time to watch the game. There's time for bubbles. There's time for the pool. Well, the pools are closed. There's time for the ball. There's time for everything. But make time for God. Make time for God. I, I hold myself accountable for that because there's been nights where I fall asleep without praying. And I'm your pastor. And I have fallen asleep because I'm tired because this. But then again, there's not an excuse. So I told God that before I go to bed, I make sure that I pray, that I get down on my knees, which I do. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is there's sometimes that I have slacked off. 
Okay, we all have our days that we get home and we're just dying to hug the bed. Am I the only one that sometimes feels like that? Like, ay, yo quiero abrazar la cama. Yo quiero que la cama me abrace. Yo quiero que la cama me, me bese. Que, que yo besa la cama. Que I want to go to bed. And, and, it, and it's all happening. When you're ready to do that, that's when people start calling you. Or asking you, where's this? Where's that? Wherever you put it. Disturbing my peace, man. Trying to sleep. Looking for your teddy bear at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you can tell I don't have kids. <laughs> my kids will be adults at the age of two. <laughs> See my little man right there with a handkerchief in his pocket. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Oh, a kid two years old. I raised him right. <laughs> Kingdom style. <laughs> To be like, oh, you don't have to, you don't know who the pastor's son is. You know, you know. Amen. Let us be on our feet. For those that are watching us, God bless you. Thank you so much. If you enjoy yourself, go onto our website and find out more about our ministry at www.resurrectionspringfield.org or any social media platform at TRC413. God bless you. We hope to see you again.